0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Ian Reynolds about developing effective habits and building them into virtues in the workplace. Reynolds, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: Hey, it's good to be here. Thanks
0: for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to have the chance to talk with you. Uh, you have such an interesting background. I think it'll be, um, you know, really beneficial to the listeners today as we have a discussion surrounding um, the connection between individuals and their habits, how those lead into developing, you know, virtues and how that connects back to people management in the workplace and having effective uh, organizations. So that'll be our focus, our topic for today. Uh, as we get started, I want to share Ian's bio with all the listeners. Ian Reynolds is a partner and chief solutions architect at ZipTech, a software development firm focused on helping businesses of all sizes in the U.S. solve their core problems with software. They empower entre- entrepreneurs, growth companies, uh, enterprises, and visionary firms to achieve greater profitability and efficiency valuation, and ultimate success by building the right tools through customer software. Ian has spent the better part of his career in consulting and has served in a diverse set of industries um, such as finance, oil and gas, retail, power, field services, uh, uh, midstream uh, energy, healthcare, pharmaceuticals, transactional finance, mergers and acquisitions, restructuring, e-commerce, retail, and software development. And that is quite the diverse um, set of industries uh, as you as you move through your career. But uh, Ian, it's truly a pleasure to be with you today. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Anything you would like to add by way of personal background um, as we dive on in today?
1: I I think uh, that was certainly a mouthful in terms of the introduction. Thanks for that. The um, yeah, you know, consulting gives you the opportunity to really see and do a lot of things, and and broad broad base. My career has been uh, sort of in a consulting uh, sphere. So um, really you get, get to see a lot of things, good and bad. And uh, so that, that's that's great.
0: Excellent, excellent. And maybe before we really launch into the discussion, you can tell us a little bit about your role at ZipTech um, as partner chief solutions architect.
1: Sure. So when a company comes to us with a problem that they need to solve and... They're not, you know, they, they may not have the expertise in-house. They may not have an engineering team in-house. Or if they do, it's not sort of the full uh, gambit in terms of engineering team. Maybe they have one or two engineers on the team. Oftentimes, if you're building a solution that is enterprise-grade or ultimately going to be its own product, you really need to kind of consult with someone who can not only understand, hey, where is the market going from a technical standpoint? Where is it going from the standpoint of, you know, what does is, what is future innovation look like? but also what is the business context for which we need to build this solution and then integrate it. So (laughs) in in layman's terms, my role is to really push back on some of the ideas that we get uh, from clients and say, no, 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 like focus on the core aspect of what you're trying to build because fundamentally you're trying to solve one problem first for your customer, and then you're going to solve multiple multiple problems by building a solution. So um, in a nutshell, I'm I'm a guy who says no, but politely and, and helpfully.
0: Well, good. It's learn. It's good to learn to say no in a variety of ways in life. I think that's an effective skill to develop. And it's one I don't always um, I don't always exercise um, well. You know, I, I, I like to say yes to people. I like to please people. I like to make people feel good. <laughs> and, right. and and sometimes, you know, that means I end up getting myself into situations or or um, uh, agreeing to take on additional projects or roles that probably I shouldn't, to, mm-hmm. you know, avoid getting overwhelmed or, or overworked. Um, but it also, like you said, you're not doing anyone any favors if you go along with, you know, an idea that probably, you know, may not be fully developed or perhaps they haven't thought through everything or they haven't really seen how, how this can go to market or so on and so forth, right? And so right. having that healthy level of pushback and playing devil's advocate and really helping people think through the nitty gritty of all the different pieces of their ideas and, and and what they're planning to do. That's really important. And that is the role of a consultant. Um, mm-hmm. So you do that in the tech space with software solutions. I do similar work in the organizational space, you know, working with organizational leaders um, in terms of how they interface with their people, but also in terms of the organizational structures, the systems, the policies, the practices that, that lead to the type of culture, whether healthy or unhealthy that an organization might have, and then how that, then translates into uh, an organization's utilization of its people to interface with the consumer, right? So, right, right. We, so we do similar work in that regard in terms of um, the consultancy relationship, I think, and that's, that's important for people you know, to remember as they're, as they're um, you know, seeking, whether you're a coach or you're a consultant, regardless of really the industry you're in, I think it, the same principles apply and we need to, to be thoughtful about that um now as we talk about as we start to move into the discussion about habits and yourself as taking a classical approach uh, a classical educational approach to people management what do you mean by that and then we can launch into habits sure. and
1: virtues so so my undergraduate education is uh, basically in classics right i have i have a, a humanities degree and i was reading you know plato aristotle all these things and there's a lot of fundamental ideas that have built Western society to be as successful as it is. And those ideas are things that are true of the human person is because there's observations about human nature over a very long period of time by a large number of people and and discussed and debated and wars fought, et cetera, about the nature of sort of who who the human person is. Now I'm not going to, that's a lot to get into here. So I'll just, I'll stick to the high level, but The idea is that there are certain sort of fundamental obvious things and every 20 or so years, right? You have a new generation of folks who uh, move into the working world and need to be trained and need to be skilled up and need to be made productive, right? Uh, I didn't really learn anything until um, in terms of, you know, work until I really got into the work environment. And that's going to be true of most people. We're hiring very smart people, wonderful, you know, uh, PhDs, MD, MAs, and, uh, and, you know, bachelors of science, et cetera. But there's still certain fundamental skills that they lack. So we do really simple things to build habits that are going to lead people to be much more productive. So I'll talk about some of these things that we do in the course of our uh, sort of project work. And then I'll talk about how that lends itself to organizational efficiency. So one of the things we make our engineers do every single day is they have to write a status update, a daily status update. This is the bullet points of what I did. Now that doesn't seem like much, but if they have to share that with their senior manager and then they have have to share that with their project manager and then their senior manager. And ultimately it does go to me and other partners that can see it and go review it. They know that when they start their workday and end their workday, they're responsible for a deliverable. So what, is it, what does it do to the person? Well, it makes them in the habit of, okay, I've got to plan my day so that I, I'm doing something productive because if I'm reporting every day that, hey, I didn't do anything today, I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, I'm going to get put into much harder work. You know, um, And so we're building the habit of planning your workday. That's one thing. The next thing is we are encouraging and structuring the work that they do from the project management and project planning level where they're doing the most difficult work that they need to do for the day in the morning. Okay. Well, what does that do? Well, it means that the rest of the day can be used for fun activities or activities that are much more creative. Um, But psychologically they are removing any impediment to uh, uh, really kind of the the creative work, right? And so we follow, we basically push, we say, grandma's rule, grandma's rule, grandma's rule. Everyone has to do grandma's rule. You have to eat your vegetables before you can have your dessert. And, or, uh, and so we, we structure intentionally our meetings and our, um, uh, sort of difficult components of uh, sort of engineering work to occur. First thing, um, get it, get it done, get it out of the way. And so, I can go on. There's like 50 or so things like that, but broadly speaking, as in, to build an engineering culture, we also have to build a a people-focused culture where we're looking at what are the fundamental skills gaps that everyone has, and it's being you know extremely productive. It's being open and honest about the communic- your communication in terms of the workload that you're undertaking. It is fighting these very natural human tendencies to not do bad things, but to, um, you know, avoid pain and seek, uh, you know, pleasure activities, right? Like I'm going to sneak into the conference room and, um, you know, watch some YouTube videos, pretend like I'm working, right? Like we are structuring things to really be a high performance engineering culture.
0: I love, I love that. It's a great um, overview. uh, And I love the connection back to the classics and you're absolutely right that we, you know, a lot of this isn't rocket science. And in fact, we've lived um, for generations and generations and wars have been won and have been fought and won and lost uh, based around these types of um, these basic human tendencies and these basic, types of attributes. Um, so this isn't rocket science, it's not new. We've been facing these same issues over and over and over again in societies uh, throughout the history of mankind, and they play out in organizations again and again, over and over again um, in very similar and predictable ways. Uh, and so I like I like how you framed uh, some of what you tried to do in your organization to make it people-centric, to make it an accountability culture, to make sure that people recognize that they are reliant on each other, and that they do need to perform, but also that you'll be there as an organization to support them and to help them um, to develop the necessary skills and abilities to be effective, right? Um, that you're not just throwing them to the wolves, but you you want them to succeed, and but you're going to hold them accountable to that success as you support them. I think that's all so uh, very vital, so important. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about this idea that you that you raised, you know, about building upon our habits, developing effective habits and building them into virtues. What, what are, what do you see as like the biggest important key virtues that you want to see in your workers in the workplace? And how do you start to build that into the culture and into the habit building, you know, as you, as you are framing it.
1: Mm -hmm. So there, there is always a tendency for folks to be self-seeking, right? Like no matter what you do, right? Uh, you know, you can speak of like Montesquieu's Spirit of the Laws, right? There's self-interest well-understood, and then there's self-interest. Well, we want self-interest well-understood. So for someone to be a team leader, one of the things that we do in, you know, every new set of recruits that we bring in uh, when we're training people up is we say, it doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter how much experience you have, it doesn't matter what your background is. We have had team members who have had maybe one or two years of experience lead teams of 17, 24 people because they were just that good, right? So we we, we immediately sort of start the discussion saying, look, we're a meritocracy and it, it really just, that's the way it's going to be. Now, we, we start there and people say, okay, wow, great, right? So let me learn more. Then what we do is we go into, here are the characteristics of the people that are able to achieve those things. And here is what is, needed of them. And we go through, you know, 20, 20 or so points, right? There's communication, there's honesty, there's dependability. Uh, If you're not dependable, that's that's probably one of the bigger ones, right? Um, um, Folks who work at, uh, you know, even fast food restaurants are incredibly dependable. They show up on time. That's a, that's a, that's a habit, right? Showing up on time and then it becomes a virtue. It's just, I'm going to be there when I say I'm going to be there. Um, And, uh, and we go through sort of 20 or so of these bullet points. And what we then do is we tell them, look, you're going to be, you're going to be graded your, your pay and your position is going to be graded by um, a set of people. It's not gonna be graded by one person. We don't like the, the, uh, you know, kind of one person determines your fate. Uh, We just take an average. We show people a scorecard and we have a scorecard and obviously, you know, you know, uh, there's, there's some stuff that's quantitative because we're, we're looking at actual output of code and, and tickets accepted, et cetera, these things. Um, and then there's also some subjective things, but you know, it bounces out in terms of getting somebody a, a pretty, pretty rough score. Uh, if you get a hundred um, which has never happened uh, you know, you're, you're probably talking to me. So um, we, we structure things in a way where we're saying like, look, you know, you, you stuck, you stepped out of an academic environment. Now you're in the working environment where um, the, the, that your your ability to regurgitate things is not as important as your ability to actually deploy solutions and your ability to communicate and your ability to be creative. Um, And uh, when we go into our reviews with those parties, we say, look, you're doing really well on these five or six points. Let's not worry about these 20 or so other items that you need to improve on. Let's pick three and let's work on these three because you're probably the closest at getting these over. All right. So good. Next Next review. You've got those three things mastered. Great. Let's go to the next three. Let's go to the next three. Let's go to the next three. And by doing that, by taking small incremental steps at improving character skills and uh, you know, basically uh, in job skills, we have been able to take people that were um, maybe not even doing super well in their career, right? But we knew they had all this diverse experience. They just weren't put into a machine that uh, Turned the Play-Doh mold into the, you know, the dinosaur shape, um, and we have been able to form people into leaders, and form people into really productive engineers, um, and uh, team leads, and and project managers by just focusing on one skill at a time, and you know, you, you, it's carrot and stick. Uh, like with anything. But if you're, if you're really focused on defining what those aspects of success look like, and then you're able to help the person really specifically say, here's what you need to do for that thing. uh, You're going to be able to first get them to make it a habit. And then after it's a habit that is just second nature, you know, they're they're scoring five on it every, every quarterly review, then it's, it has become a virtue. And then you just move to the next thing.
0: Yeah. And you focus on one thing at a time, like you said, um, because you know, there's lots of research on how to develop habits, for example. And one of the first things that you want to avoid is trying to do everything. Yep. Uh, it, and and it's, it's like with New Year's resolutions. Most people fall off their New Year's resolutions within a few weeks um, because they just, and it's fairly predictable uh, depending on a, a variety of characteristics of how you set up the goal and as you're trying to develop the habit. And it's not easy to develop habits. And so and you're talking about even going a step further and going from developing habits to develop, moving those in, into building virtues. Um, that's not an easy process, but as you focus on one thing at a time and developing the skills, the knowledge, you're developing the habit around that thing. Uh, and, and as you get supported to do it, you know, as, as your leadership team supports your people to develop that habit, it is very, very possible to do it. And then you're building the, the capacity and capabilities of your people which is so important for your organization. If you want your organization to continually be innovative and, and productive and effective and to provide uh, good solutions for your clients, you have to have capable people. And you know it's a, it's a competitive industry to get good talent. And so you're looking for good talent anywhere, recognizing that they may not have, as you bring people in, they may not have all of the habits that you want to see. They may not have all the skills that you would like to see but then you—it's your job to help build that capacity. So I love that. I love that focus. I love how you—the uh, the work that you're doing—to um, move people in that direction. And it's not easy work, but it's—it's it's valuable and important work, and it's rewarding work too. Because I, I think about it as a leader. Um, you know, one of the, one, i believe in the idea of servant leadership, um, and whether you know other people buy into that philosophy or not. Is not really important. One of the the fundamental components to that is empowerment and seeing my role as a leader, uh, a key role in being, I'm going to develop my people. I'm going to help them become the best they can possibly be. They're going to maximize their potential while I'm their leader. Uh, And some of that is altruistic perhaps, because I just, I find meaning and purpose in helping build and develop others. But some of it can be self-interested as well, because I know that I'm gonna be my, I'm gonna be the most successful leader I can be as I help my people be the most successful they can be. And that will help the organization to become the best it can be to provide the best products and services for our consumer. Um, So it all comes back to that and and everything that you're describing um, will lead to that kind of um, successful maximizing of the human capital potential of the organization.
1: Right. Right. And, and to, to speak of how we know it works, we have taken people who have no sort of base aptitude for engineering, but they have the other sort of, we, we recognize because these are things we track and measure. They have the other sort of fundamental underlying behavioral skill sets that would lend themselves to being successful. And we've been able to take those folks, you know, simply off the street, stick them in front of a computer train them up and have had them be wildly successful. So, um, you know, it's, it's the measure of a person's ability to grow rather than the person's innate ability.
0: Yeah, I love that. And, and it's, it's the whole idea behind having a growth mindset uh, as opposed to a fixed mindset. And, and I see a lot of leaders that approach their people from a fixed mindset perspective and it's, and it's unfortunate because it's just limiting. And you, your organization and how you uh, work with your people is a prime example of growth mindset and, and taking people where they're at and helping build them into something that's more than maybe what they even thought they were capable of. I, and I love that. Um, well, Ian, it has been a real pleasure talking with you, learning more about your organization, learning more about your philosophy, your approach to people management, and really empowering people and helping them to develop. Um, It's been a great, fun discussion today. Um, Before we close, though, I want to give you a chance to share with the listeners how they can find out more about you, get connected, and, uh, you know, learn more about your organization.
1: Sure. So we're, uh, check out zibtek.com, Z-I-B-T-E-K.com. We we post pretty regularly in our blog, keep the resources really up to date. and We're talking about both technical and and sort of these operational uh, sort of components. If you want to reach out and make sure that I see that communication, uh email hello at zipdeck.com and i will see that and typically respond so that's us in a nutshell
0: excellent well thank you ian it has really been a pleasure i encourage listeners to reach out to ian get connected find out what his organization organization can do for you uh, and i hope everyone stays healthy and safe and that everyone can find meaning and purpose and work and have a i hope you all have a great week thank you